0: Hey, thanks for downloading this podcast. If you want to listen live, be sure to download the iHeartRadio app and search for Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Thanks for listening and enjoy the show. You're listening to the Fantasy Sports Radio Network.
1: Hey, good afternoon. Welcome in. It is Fantasy Sports Today. Plenty to get to here on the show. The latest in baseball. We are marching toward the Super Bowl. We cover it all for you as Fantasy Sports Today starts now.
0: Fantasy Sports Today.
1: Good afternoon. Welcome in fantasy sports today. Craig and Joe with you here on this 23rd of January, 2020. Great to be with you. Talking some football, fantasy baseball, and everything that is going on in the world of sports. Follow me on Twitter at Craig Mish. Follow Joe on Twitter at JoePizzaPS17. And Sean Guastamacchia, as always, our producer of this show. And uh, the Super Bowl proposition bets all get released tonight in Las Vegas. So early next week, we're going to have a chance to dive into all of those. I know a lot of people like to play the anthem and, the hairstyle and the, and what they're wearing and all of that stuff. But I don't think that what people realize, especially in our industry, uh, is that you, you cannot bet a lot of money on these things. <laughs> I mean, some of these are $50 bets, the most that you can do uh, online. The real ones are the games and the real ones are the players and the real ones are the ones they release in Vegas. And so you got to make sure you listen to the show next week for all of that content. We'll give you the very best possible. And of course, over at sportsgrid.com, you can download our Super Bowl betting guide for 2020. Make sure you grab that as well. Uh, but Joe, good afternoon to you. Another show for us here as we close in uh, the first non-football weekend of any kind, unless you include the Pro Bowl.
2: Uh, yes. Is there a prop bet that I can bet on something where Shakira and I spend some quality time together? Because I'll put all my money on that if that's, if that's available I'll, I'll put or, or if I can influence in, it.
1: Yeah, uh, yeah, exactly. You can put on your money to try to influence, but I'll put all my money against that, actually. I don't, really, I, don't, think Craig, I, don't I don't think it's going to All happen.
2: these years, all these years really against yeah, it. Don't you don't think me. I got the I got the game for that. I think she's married, though. I would
1: imagine. Well, I, there's a lot of a lot working against you. I mean, given the fact that you're in New Jersey and she's not. Uh, I can make
2: long good. distance work with her.
1: All right. I'm saying
2: I'm willing I'm willing to do it for Shakira because I feel like, you know, I feel like she's worth it. I feel like we can make the long distance thing work. And I know she's going to be traveling all the time anyway, doing concerts and stuff like that. But I, I will say this is the first halftime show that I've been uh, excited for. In a very long time, I can tell you that usually the halftime's kind of annoying. Let's be honest. Can yeah, we, can we agree on that? Mm-hmm. I mean, I thought Lady Gaga was good a couple years ago, but wasn't it Coldplay one year? Was it last year? Was Cold? I was like, look, one of those bands. I'm like, Ugh, meh, gross. Like, I, I want like, I want the Foo Fighters playing at halftime in the Super Bowl. I want something like that. They always go like the complete opposite direction. Best tweet of of the day yesterday. Somebody tweeted, "How come in the middle of a concert a
1: football game never breaks out?" Good point. Yeah, no, good point. point
2: for sure. Just yeah. want to say.
1: Yeah, I, I, <laughs> I kind of I kind of uh, I feel you on that one. Um, Yesterday, we did have somewhat of an announcement as Eli Manning has decided to retire, Joe. And, you know, certainly that's going to be capturing a lot of the headlines here at Super Bowl weekend. In fact, he's coming here to South Florida. I know he's participating in one of the events, but uh, great career headed for the Hall of Fame. I don't think there's any doubt people are debating that. But again, we've gone through so much Hall of Fame (laughs) discussion this week with baseball. And we'll do it with football here coming up in a few days. But uh, look, the bottom line is that he won two Super Bowls. I mean, I I don't know how anybody could not say that he's in the Hall of Fame, but I guess that they're you know, hot take people will go that route.
2: Yeah, I know. Like, I mean, I think later in the show, we're going to, you know, dive in a little bit deeper to this, but real quick at the top here, it's a great career for Eli Manning. Regardless, you know, this is a guy that, um, you know, was able to play in and win two Super Bowls, uh, has the moniker of the only quarterback to beat the Patriots twice in those. Imagine if he didn't. Imagine if the Giants didn't win those and he wasn't there. And next thing you know, Tom Brady's got eight rings. Boy, you think people have not just now and he's got six. Imagine if, imagine for a moment if they were eight and one in the Super Bowls. That is a, an incredible thing, and uh, you know, Eli Manning played with a lot of heart. I think we can all agree that Eli Manning, in terms of talent, was probably not you know as talented as many other quarterbacks, let's say even in his own family, but at the same time, I think you have to look at the body of work and appreciate what he did. I think you also have to appreciate how difficult it is to last as long as he did in New York in this media market through good and bad performances because he had a lot of really good runs and a lot of really bad runs. And Eli Manning never got off track. Eli Manning was always steady. Eli Manning was somebody that his teammates really liked. Um, you know, is he the big raw, raw, energetic guy. No, he's not that. That's never been his personality. He's not nearly as dominating a personality as his brother was either. But I think when you look back and you admire that not only was he a very good quarterback for a long time, maybe he was never great, but he was really good in a spot where, man, it is tough to, to balance the ups and downs. And I think the Giants fans, although they were kind of upset with the last few years of the Eli Manning era, if you're a Giants fan, there's no way you could trade the Eli Manning era for basically anything except the Parcells era. And and look, you know, you had the same amount of Super Bowls you got out of that era. So really, it's nothing but uh, but blue skies as far as I'm concerned. And a guy that's going to go down in history probably is the. Would you say the best Giants quarterback ever? I mean, Y. A. Tittle. Is, is, I mean, is that was that where you I, go? I right? Guess,
1: I guess so. But I mean, Eli I didn't right see Tittle there. play. I know you did. So you know, yeah. I cares? mean, I did. You know, I uh, actually um, you know interviewed him last. Did year. you really? Yeah. Yeah. I actually, <laughs> no did. kidding. you yeah. didn't see him play though. I'm just breaking your ball. No, I did. I, I did. It's on play. How did you see Y. A.
2: Tittle play? In what? Like an old timer's
1: day? <laughs> yeah, you know, I um, you know, I have like the cornfield, like the baseball. I have the football. Oh, field, right? oh, that's
2: good. You plowed into the iguana field and you were able to build yeah, a football that's field. That's how I do it. For sure, yeah, that's terrific. Sure. I like that.
1: All right, so from a lighthearted story to a very upsetting story, it's uh, a <laughs> nice transition. Boy, <laughs> it's, it's no piece of piece. its favorite player in the NFL. No, it's not his old no, favorite player in the NFL. Uh, well, I- boy, this is right down the street from my house. In fact, my uh, in-laws, their uh, their family live in the same complex. I've mentioned this several times. Uh, of Antonio Brown, we were actually you know yesterday all together. So we were discussing this because they were saying about how. It's just a horrible situation in their neighborhood. Everybody hates him, hates living uh, next to Antonio Brown. There's the police is always there. There was helicopters the last couple of days flying over the house because of what happened. And then late last night, Andy Slater, a good friend of mine here who covers sports in South Florida, posted the report that uh, an arrest warrant has been issued. And in fact, I mean, I'm guessing that by now it's certainly possible that that he has uh, been arrested and, and who knows. But. Uh, A very sad story, Joe, is coming to an end here. I think that we had that glimmer of hope that something would get turned around. And I'll never rule anything out. But by the time that he gets his life together, and he's 32, but by the time he gets his life together, let's say at 33 as a hope, 34 as a hope, uh, I think that I'm losing hope that we'll ever see this guy play again in the NFL. There's just so many things that are getting stacked against him. and, And I feel like when this all ends, We're going to find out that there is some severe mental illness going on here. I'm very sad for this. And I I said I see him at school and all this stuff. It's just very it's I, I don't know him. I can't say it's heartbreaking, so I can't go that far. But it's like I'm so close to this situation here with the guy living 10 minutes from me that I want to see this end better than what it looks like. It's going to end here.
2: Yeah, it doesn't look like it's going down a good path. That's for sure. And I'm sure there's a combination of mental illness. I'm sure there's a combination of CTE. I'm sure there's a combination of a lot of things going on with Antonio Brown. This is also what happens to guys who. You know, when they're out of the routine of football, you know, these guys, all some of these people, all they know is this game. And when this game is taken away from them, they they lose their mind. Literally, they don't know what to do or how to move on with their life. And it's very sad. It makes you really appreciate some of the other people that have been able to move on from it. And um, it's a good cautionary tale, too, for any parents of child athletes, too, to make sure that you expose them to different things. You know, they're playing the travel ball all year round They're All they do is play baseball. That's it. That's what they do. Well, at some point in time in their life, baseball is going to be over. Some point in time, maybe sooner than you realize. What are you doing for them? What are you exposing them to? What what are you what are you trying to show them that life is more than just a game? And I think that, you know, that's kind of the bigger picture issue. But on the on the shorter scale for sure, on the more direct one, this is definitely not a good situation. It's definitely heading into a dark, dark place, I think. And it's unfortunate. And, you know, I hope he does get help. I hope someone gets through to him, but Truth be told, I just don't think it's going to happen. I think we're going to have a bad end to the story. And another Madden curse. There you go. There you go. Antonio Brown last year was on the Madden cover. Mahomes was on this year. So maybe maybe the Madden curse of Antonio Brown was so strong it skipped a year. That's the only thing I could think oh,
1: of. Please no. right. We have the opening drive coming up next. You're listening to Fantasy Sports Today. We'll be right back. Don't go away.
0: DailyRoto.com.
2: pivots, fakes, chucks the big bomb halfway down the field
0: to our hopefully still wide open tailback. I call it fantasy sports today with Craig Mish and Joe Pisapia. Fantasy sports today presents first play from scrimmage. The opening drive.
3: The first play of the game. From the opening play-
1: Welcome back, Fantasy Sports. Today, it's time for our opening drive here on the show. Let's be honest. It's January 23rd. We're in sports purgatory. We're the week before the Super Bowl. We are weeks before pitchers and catchers report for baseball. This is a different time of the year for Fantasy Sports. There's no doubt. In betting, of course, you still have hockey. You have the NBA. You have college basketball. And so I'm immersed in all of that right now. But look, it's just not quite the same as having that and having fantasy sports. So, Joe, let's uh, let's start off with first down here on the opening drive. Uh, Luis Rojas is the new Mets manager by all accounts. This is someone that's just basically a bump up uh, in the Mets organization because they certainly don't have to be punished for anything that the Astros or the Red Sox did. And an awkward situation now comes to an end with Carlos Beltran. I feel like Rojas, I don't know a lot about him, but at least from what I've read, all accounts seem to be pretty positive on him.
2: Yeah, I'm going through some tweets here. Um, sorry for the uh, little little bump in the music there for a second, but sure, yeah, I was trying to find right. some of the it's tweets. Awesome. Yeah, I was, I was rocking out. You know, I figured that was like our intro back in, but, you know, I was trying to pull up this stuff, and of course, you know, something's got to explode because God forbid we have a site where something doesn't pop up and make a lot of noise on us. Uh, but uh, the first one here from Pete Alonzo, loved having Luis in 17 and 18 as a A manager. Uh, that was from Pete Alonzo. Uh, it's awesome playing under him and having him on the staff as well. Super pumped uh Luis rojas love it love it love it said uh, marcus stroman always teaching and full of knowledge super laid back brings nothing but great vibes so apparently the players are very pleased with this and i think that's a good start you know me i'm in the never beltran camp so anybody but carlos beltran i was going to be happy with pretty much and i think that maybe just maybe this is one of those moments where we all look back and let's say the mets do have a great run we can all look back and go oh man remember the beginning of the year when beltran was supposed to be the manager look at the job this guy did. And I hope I'm hoping he's successful, not just because I am a loser Mets fan, but I hope he's successful because I want more good baseball people to get these kind of opportunities. And I don't want star managers. I don't need a Carlos Beltran, who was an all-star coming in and being manager. I want people who are good with people. I want guys who know how to manage the guys. That is the art of baseball managing because baseball is a very emotional game a game of roller coasters, a game of giant swings of good and bad and uh, getting very confident and very not confident and insecure. And it's a very long season When you have a kind of personality that can handle those kind of people who is very level and might not be the biggest name. Now, granted, he has some famous family members as well. If uh, we play uh, Lou as his father, I believe. Correct. Right. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, so uh, here's the thing. You know, if this guy's a great baseball guy and a great manager of people, Let's give him a shot at this. And I hope he does well. I really do, because I think it sends a message to everybody else that for all the sabermetrics in the world, it's still about managing people in baseball more than anything.
1: Yeah, hopefully it'll work out for the Mets. I mean, just enough crap has happened to this team over the last few years. It'd be nice to have one good story here. Yeah, it Uh, would. It would. (laughs) Uh, Over to second down here. Not a huge baseball day yesterday. Still a lot of carryover from the Hall of Fame is Derek Jeter and Larry Walker visited New Jersey and New York and had their press conferences uh, there to discuss everything happened. Some really good stuff, by the way, coming out of that as well. Uh, But for our purposes, for fantasy purposes, the Philadelphia Phillies were the ones making not a lot of noise, but maybe a slight knock on the door. Uh, They signed Francisco Liriano. They also invite Neil Walker to their club as a non-roster invitee for spring training. It's funny how... I mean, Liriano, Joe, I mean, there's a new rule in baseball. Obviously, you have to face three batters, so that's going to hurt Liriano a little bit being lefty. But, I mean, you think about his career. Man, this guy's been around a long time, a lot longer probably than people anticipated. Once upon a time, a potential ace in reality and fantasy. But this dude's, like, pushing a 15-year baseball career. It's been impressive. (laughs) Yeah,
2: when you look up and you realize that, that's kind of incredible. And he's had some very good years. He has some very good years with the Pirates there. Uh, You know, Liriano was a guy at his peak, was a lefty to strike guys out. But, look, you know, I think when you're trying to just bring in some bodies and some guys that can help you with some depth, I mean, it's not a bad one. Uh, Neil Walker is a versatile player, a good bat too. And there's some rumors right now, I mean, I don't know whether you'll take this or not, but John Heyman's talking about that the Reds are apparently still a player for Castellanos. So, that's a team that we have not put together with Castellanos as of yet. I mean, we've talked a lot about the Rangers, a lot about uh, the Cubs, but... If this ends up happening, boy, the Reds really sure are making a push this year, too, because now with Gray, with Castillo, with a possible bounce back from Trevor Bauer with Descalfani, that's a decent enough rotation where all of a sudden the middle of an order with a Suarez, with a Castellanos and with a Moustakis. Reds might be making a little run here. Now, I don't know if this is going to happen, but certainly something to think about. And it weakens the Cubs at the same time.
1: Yeah, and we'll we'll keep an eye on Castellanos for sure. He's definitely the best free agent still out there. The Reds would have to give up a uh I, you know, actually I'm not sure if they'll have to give up a draft pick for I don't think so because he signed with the Cubs. So this is just basically him taking the well, market. Well, he was to traded the to
2: the Cubs. Yeah, so I,
1: so I don't think that I don't think they would have to give up a draft pick to sign him. Yeah. Right.
2: Is that is that how it happens if you're traded if it's like, in the
1: same year, if it's in the free agent year, you don't have to. If it's before the year, you do.
2: Okay. So in other words, I'm the Detroit Tigers, I trade Castellanos mid-season. You lose. It's not my, you my draft pick. It's not all right I lose that chance for the traffic. Okay. Right. In retrospect, so, then, did they get enough in, no. in that consideration?
1: <laughs> no. They in have retrospect,
2: this was kind of a stupid move by the Tigers, right? A it team is rebuilding. Would you rather it, just hold Cassianos?
1: It could have been. And the reason why I know this, I dug a little bit deeper because uh, that was part of the Marlins' thinking of acquiring Jonathan VR. They did it before the season. So if VR has a monster year, let's say, I because mean, look, I don't know that anyone would pay him, Joe, $17 million next year, 18000000 million, I'm not sure. But let's say he had another year, just like he had this year, and uh, the Marlins offered him the qualifying offer. They could. They, they can offer him the qualifying offer because he came over before the year started. But if they were to trade him, no, they were to get they would get nothing back in return. That's the uh, that's the way that that works.
2: You know, if um, you're the Tigers now, you're sitting here going, "What the?" I know you have this other
1: stuff, but it's this a, is it's, a, it's kind not of, being run well. No, it is not being. It, run well, it
2: just doesn't make any sense because they got uh, Paul Rashawn and Alex Lang, two pitching prospects. Yeah, okay. they like
1: Lang, I know, but it's a, it's they're not uh, they're not headed in the right direction. I think they're further back of anybody in these rebuilds. That's, that's okay. Uh, Mize and nothing is basically the story for me Well
2: Manning too, Manning's a nice pitcher
1: Pitching, yeah, some pitching Uh, Donovan McNabb, third down, says he uh, Says the Eagles were distracted From Terrell Owens Following their Super Bowl I don't know why, I guess when you're asked questions You have to answer them, so I give McNabb credit for that but why why are we going down this road again here? I, I'm just I'm not sure. Like these two guys will just never like each other. They'll never get along. Owen said that McNabb choked, right? Like that basically well, he did.
2: In Super Bowl. <laughs> so, <laughs> let's be honest, he did, right? I mean, key word there after the Super Bowl, right? So did he get to the Super Bowl without To? Correct me so. if I'm wrong. I want to say no. the answer is no, right? And uh, last time I checked, To was playing on a broken leg in that Super Bowl too, correct?
1: I don't recall. It was a long time ago. I'll yes. take your well, word. Well, the right answer is yes.
2: He was. He was playing with a partially broken tibia, and practically playing on one leg, and still out there catching balls. So, I mean, I understand these guys don't like each other, but bro, come on. Let's not pretend like To is you know wasn't a big part of how you even got to that Super Bowl. And if you were so great, maybe get over some of the uh, NFC Championship losing streak to you know to every team under the sun. When you didn't have TO, I mean, you could have done it on your own. And I like Donovan McNabb. He's a heck of a quarterback. Seems like a nice dude, but like, I mean, does any, I mean, you follow a lot of these guys in the locker rooms. Do do these guys really keep these grudges way this long? I mean, who cares at this point? Uh, You know, players, when they're
1: done, they don't have a lot to talk about. That's, that's like
2: wrestlers too. They keep talking about stuff that happened 20
1: years well, part ago. Part of that, the equation. You know, when you're bored, when you're bored, what else do you do? I mean, there's only so again, much, only so much Netflix and TV that you can watch. I mean,
2: Prepare be- people for life after the game. The game's going to end on everybody at some point in time. Everybody.
1: Yeah. It's listen. It's easier said than done. Everybody would be fine if it wasn't the case, but that uh, that of course is the case. All right. We got to cut this short here, uh, so we'll have to punt on fourth down here. But coming up next. Plenty more to come on Fantasy Sports today. Tom Grieve, who is the television play-by or color broadcaster for the Texas Rangers, is going to join us here on the show. We'll talk about the new ballpark in Texas. We'll also talk about his thoughts on the Astros cheating scandal, the Hall of Fame, and everything else. Former general manager of the Texas Rangers as well. That's coming up next right here on Fantasy Sports Today. Make sure that you listen to us 24 hours a day, 7 days a week, and access this show on demand just by listening to our app, FNTSY. You can also listen on the Stitcher app as well as listen live on the iHeartRadio and TuneIn apps as well. And also our great programming over on SportsGrid on the TV side. You can see all of our programming on our website as well as YouTube. Joe and I will be right back in just a couple of minutes with Tom Greene. Don't go away.
0: DailyRoto.com
4: Fantasy Sports
0: Today with Craig Mish and Joe Pizzapia. And welcome back to Fantasy Sports Today,
1: Craig Mish along with Joe Pizzapia. And with baseball season fast approaching and fantasy baseball season fast approaching, boy, we got some really intriguing questions, I think, to ask about the Texas Rangers. And who better to do that with? With former big league player, former general manager of the Texas Rangers, and of course the current color broadcaster on the television side for uh, the Texas Rangers. Tom Grieve joins us here on the show and also a big fantasy football expert as well. I may add to Tom, thank you for coming on. Appreciate it. Good afternoon. Thanks for being with us. Uh, It's my pleasure. Thanks for having me. Uh, And by the way, how did you do this past year in in, uh, fantasy football? Did you have a good season? Were you happy with the outcome of your season?
3: I had, I had a pretty good, pretty good year. Um, I won one of the leagues and the other league I made a strategical blunder of picking Antonio Brown in the second round. Uh. I, I figured that the big problem at the time was his helmet, and I couldn't imagine he wasn't going to play because of a helmet. Didn't see the other stuff coming at the time, though.
1: Yeah. You know, the unfortunate part, Tom and Joe and I have talked about this, is I actually, and you'll see the stuff you know coming out today and tomorrow, Hollywood, Florida, Tom, is actually where I live, and he lives about 10 minutes away from me, in, uh, in, a, in a complex very close. In fact, my in-laws live in the same com- complex as him. And so I can only tell you that it is a very sad situation there with Antonio Brown. But let, let's move on to, uh, to happier times right now with the Texas Rangers. And I think that from our position, Tom, what we don't know, and you as a former big league player and a general manager, and, and knowing that the way that the Rangers are doing things in 2020, is that the one question that we can't answer as analysts, as fans, as people who watch is what this ballpark is going to look like, what this ballpark is going to play like. And it's just a dynamic that we can't touch. We have no clue. Is there any insight at all that you have as to what this may be like? Have you seen it at all? And and can you enlighten us a little bit?
3: Well, you know, it's funny that you would ask that question because I was talking to people involved in the construction of the ballpark just last week. And I asked that very same question. And their answer was, we're anticipating that it's going to play fairly for the pitcher and the hitter, but until the games start, we really won't know. Obviously, it'll probably be slightly different when the roof is closed. Yeah. It should be fairly normal then. But when the, when, the, when the roof is open and the wind is involved, it's very difficult to say. In our old ballpark, originally, there was kind of a jet stream that shot out to right center field and then the stadium was reconfigured over the years, restaurant was added, places were closed off where the wind was able to escape before and it it changed over time. In fact, by the end our ballpark was actually a fairly average ballpark as far as home runs go. But I don't, to answer your question, I don't really know and actually the people that are building the ballpark aren't sure right now. Great tests have been done. They they go to great lengths to study the wind currents and try to plan where the exits are, where the light towers are and how to create wind in the stadium for the fans comfort when the roof is up. So they've gone the great lengths to try to make it fair. But until we start playing, I don't think anyone really knows.
2: Yeah, Tom, you know, I, I want to ask you this question because I know we've gotten to a point here where sabermetrics and, and every measurable possible has infiltrated every major league organization and every front office but you played the game, you know this. There's also people who are actually playing these games, and the addition of Corey Kluber to this rotation now after uh, a stunningly good season from Lance Lynn and Mike Miner who now get a guy at the top of this rotation that I feel like takes a lot of pressure off of those other two guys to repeat exactly what they did last year when you bring in a guy like Kluber who has ace-like potential, who has led rotations in the past, and then granted, we don't know how the ballpark's going to play, but from a mental standpoint, how important do you think this addition was to those two guys and the rest of this rotation as well.
3: Well, both those guys at times last year pitched like number 1 or number 2 starters. In fact, I think if you look at the overall numbers for the season, you'd have to stay, say that both of them were fairly you'd be fairly confident in saying they were number 2 starters and at times number 1 starter. But I think not only for the for the pitching staff and releasing some of the pressure that it takes when you get an ace, I think it's true for the whole team. I think when the team knows that you've got that number one guy, it creates a feeling in the clubhouse, on the field, that on this particular day, every five days, we got a great chance to win. And so he brings a lot to the table. His injuries last year had nothing to do with his right arm. He got hit by a line drive. He, I think, pulled a ribcage muscle toward the end. So he should be healthy. Now, I don't think he has to return to being they saw a Cy Young winner and win 22 ball games, but if he's just really good and pitches pretty much just like Lance Lynn and Mike Miner did last year and gives 200 innings, then that's a huge boost to the rotation. But kind of the unsung additions to the rotation were Kyle Gibson and Jordan Lyles. Both of those guys are, are solid bottom of the rotation guys, and maybe at times even better. Lyles his last. You guys probably know better than I do, but I think his last. Ten or 11 starts were really good. Gibson is a guy that's going to give you 180, 185 innings in ERA in the upper threes. And when you look at what we had last year, last year we had three young starters, Colby Allard, um, Brock Burke, and Joe Palumbo, all got eight or ten starts and all at times looked really good and good potential but they probably weren't quite ready to be consistent major league pitchers. All three of those guys, at least right now, are scheduled to be in the rotation in AAA, and so that's a great development thing to have, three young left-handers with big league potential and a veteran staff from one through five that is probably better than the Rangers have had and maybe since their pennant-winning years and World Series years, and maybe even better than those, those staffs, to be honest.
1: Yeah, it does look like that, and, and and you're right, Tom. I mean, there's no doubt, and you know this as a general manager, the biggest fallacy is looking at a five-man rotation and thinking that's who you're going with all season long. It doesn't happen. You need those guys in AAA too, no doubt. Uh, Tom Grieve is with us, and we're talking about the Texas Rangers. Uh, offensively, uh, Tom, when you look at the team, and they, they were involved in some of the bigger names. We heard Ozuna's name out there. We heard Nick Castellanos' name out there. It certainly could still be uh, the case. Uh, the key addition offensively, is Todd Frazier to this point. Frazier looks like he's the everyday third baseman. Nomar Mazar has now moved on to the Chicago White Sox. When you look at the offense, Tom, and with your trained eye, uh, who do you think offensively is ready to take that next step? A rebound from Guzman, a better year from Odor, a healthy Gallo, Calhoun? Uh, he's certainly around the diamond, there's no shortage of talent. It's just getting that all sorted out.
3: Yeah, and I'd kind of say all of the above one of the one of the things that they're counting on to be a better and more consistent offensive team this year is for some of the guys that they have to have better years. I think Elvis Andrus is capable of having a much better year than he did last year. He was on a pretty nice run of three straight years where he was hitting right around 300, his power numbers had gone up, and he may not do those same things offensively that he did those three years but I'm pretty sure he's capable of being a lot better than he was last year, and he said that himself. Odor is kind of a mystery. He's very difficult to figure out. You guys follow the statistics, follow baseball probably more consistently than I do, and if you play fantasy baseball and you've had him on your team, he probably drives you crazy because he goes through stretches where he looks like an all-star player, and then he disappears, and he's done it more than once, I mean, and he's done it for a long period of time. In other words, he's had long streaks of good performance and long streaks of poor performance. It's very difficult to gauge exactly what you're going to get. But I think if people who watched him last year would say they were disappointed in his offense last year because he struck out too much, didn't walk enough, his on base percentage wasn't good enough. But at the end of the day, he hit 30 home runs, knocked in 90 runs. So it wasn't a total loss. He still plays solid defense. At times, he's capable of playing well above average defense. And for me, the bottom line with Rudy is always he's a great kid, and he's a hard worker, and he has a strong desire to succeed. There's no complacency. There's no living on his contract type thing. This kid's a good kid. Maybe sometimes he's out there bearing down too hard, and Sometimes you you hear you hear great athletes say this from time to time. Sometimes when things aren't going the way you want, you have to almost take a little bit of a step back and relax a little bit and don't try to throw it 100 miles an hour and don't swing trying to hit a 500-foot home run. Just kind of step back a little bit. That's one thing that's very difficult for Wookie because he knows only one speed, and that's put, put the foot on the pedal and push it down as hard as you can. And I think that's probably one of the things that's caused him Problems over over the past, but anyway, he's another guy. They're expecting to improve. I think if Todd Frazier plays third and Stays healthy and hits 260 and hits 22 home runs and knocks in 79 or 80 runs that That'll be a real solid performance. He's a good defensive player. That'll be a big improvement over last year um, Let's see other guys Willie Calhoun um, showed some really nice signs last year He'll be a young player that they look for continued development Joey Gallo was the, um, one of the best offensive players in baseball last year until he got hurt. They're not looking for improvement from him. They just want him to continue where he was before he got hurt last year. He was um, an all-star and really a, a star, a budding star in a breakout season if he, if he hadn't gotten hurt. Uh, Chula is a very steady player. and I think he'll be the DH, and they'll look for him um, to do things that he's done in the past. So, uh, the other guy that you, you wonder if he can back up last year with another one this year is Danny Santana. Santana was a non-roster guy, didn't break with the team in spring training, and, and was our best player last year. If he could just come close to that, they'll be happy with him. I think he's going to get a chance to play center field. But really, you know, if you guys looked at what I just talked about and on paper, you'd probably look and say, "Well, that's a good start," but it'd really be nice if there was one more guy in the middle of the lineup, especially if he was a right-hand hitter. And that's why they had talked about Rendon and Donaldson and I don't know what their plans are right now but just from a personal standpoint I think Nick Castellanos would be a very nice addition to the team they could they talked about if they got him maybe playing him at first base Ronald Guzman is there right now um, Ronald's a great hop a great defensive player but he's just got to hit more to play first base and you know maybe he will maybe he won't he's got power but it'd really be nice to get a veteran guy, right hand hitter. We're a little bit left handed right now. Castellanos at first base would look really nice right now.
1: Okay, Tom, let's take a quick timeout. We'll be back with more here. We have Tom Grieve with us on the show, the color broadcaster for the Texas Rangers. We're going to dive more into what is going on in the world of baseball, the Hall of Fame, and everything else. Don't go away.
0: DailyRoto.com Fantasy Sports Today with Craig Mish and Joe Pizzapia.
1: And welcome back to Fantasy Sports Today, Craig Mish, Joe Pizzapia. We have Tom Grieve with us. Tom, you know, I, I think that the hot topic around baseball right now, and certainly you see them a ton, is of course the Houston Astros and everything that has happened with them. And there's just so many layers to the whole situation, but. I mean, who better to speak on this than you, having seen them so often, uh, you know, throughout your tenure as a broadcaster with the Texas Rangers. And, you know, you certainly are very familiar with how the game is played inside the lines as well. Uh, as this has gone on, I don't even know if you've been asked about it so far. Has this been disappointing to you? Has it been frustrating to you? What, what have your emotions been like hearing about all of this?
3: Well, you know, the first the first thing I'll say before you even get. That we see right now is this is a great team. These are frontline players, they play hard, I love their enthusiasm. The last couple of years we've had a tough time with them and so has everybody else in the American League, but um, when you watch the way they play, the way A.J. Hinch managed them, um, even though they're beating you, you still look down <clears throat> and you admire the talent and you appreciate the way they play the game. So even without the cheating, this is a really, really good team. Having said all that, <clears throat> I definitely don't think the Astros have distinguished themselves as a franchise over the last year or so. You know, they had the situation in the clubhouse where the reporter from Detroit couldn't come into the clubhouse because Justin Verlander didn't want him there, didn't like the things he'd written in the past. And, you know, that's, that's a breach of etiquette, a breach of the way you're supposed to conduct yourself as an organization. You don't have to like every reporter that comes in, but everybody should have the same access. And, Major League Baseball told them that. You know, that's, that's not something that you should be proud of. Um, in addition to the cheating, I think a bigger stain might be the way that the executive treated the female reporters after they clinched against the Yankees in, um, to, to win the American League pennant when he screamed at the, at the girls how happy he was with profanity-laced sentences to have Osuna on the team. One of the girls had a bracelet that um, that indicated her support for domestic violence, and obviously Osuna had that thing happen in Toronto, a um, case of domestic violence where he was suspended. No one wanted to sign this guy. The Astros signed him, and that was their right. He served his penalty, and they had the right to sign him. But the way that he addressed these female reporters was just... It's totally inappropriate. It it was almost, uh, it was almost violent the way he screamed at them. And then the way that the Astros, the the Astros hap, uh, handled the whole situation when they said, um, it was an attempt to fabricate a story where one doesn't exist. They didn't believe her. They heard, they trashed the female reporter. And you know, then several days later they look at it again and they realize what happened and they, they fired the guy. Well, you know, you you ought to get your facts straight before you accuse a respected member of the media of lying like that. It was just a <clears throat> a terrible situation and a and a real stain on the Astros, and that starts right at the top, right with the owner that allowed that to happen. Um, and then the guy himself, times you someone um, commits a commits a uh, does something like that and says. Um, if I offended anybody, I apologize. Well, I don't think that it's a matter of if you offended anybody, he knows he offended someone. That's not even an apology. But the thing that he said that was even more amazing was that than that was in retrospect, I realized what I said could have been offensive. You had to have days to look back and in retrospect, know that that was the case. And that was ridiculous. So they already had a couple of things happen that they shouldn't be proud of. And, I think the thing that's about, you know, I can see how the cheating thing can happen. You're trying to get an edge. You're trying to use technology. The lines get blurred. You make a decision to do this. You're having success with it. Nobody's going to find out about it. You know it's wrong, but, hey, everybody's trying to do it, do something to get an edge, and, and this happens. Um, I, I can see how that could happen. The thing that's disappointing to me is when you put a microphone in front of Alex Bregman or you put a microphone in front of Jose Altuve, and you get an answer something like, "Well, Major League Baseball did an investigation. They made the decisions they made, and now we just have to move forward." Um, that 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 doesn't get it for me. I, I'd like to see one of the players stand up and say, "I knew what we were doing was wrong. I chose to do it anyway. I realize how we're perceived around baseball, and I'm going to spend the rest of my career trying to make up for the mistake that I made. The decisions." that we made as an organization to cheat. Um, I'd have a lot more respect for them if they did that, but I I don't anticipate, I don't anticipate that happening.
2: Tom, you know, the other thing that's on everybody's uh, minds right now is hall of fame, obviously with uh, the induction of Derek Jeter and Larry Walker, and you were a general manager and very instrumental in bringing in Rafael Palmeiro into the Rangers organization and Palmeiro in my mind, I mean, you can't ask for one of the better all around players, regardless of wherever we are with the steroid era. But in terms of a player who was a great hitter, a great f- defender, a guy who hit for power, uh, a guy who played forever, uh, do you believe, number one, that he deserves a Hall of Fame vote if you had one? And I know it's a loaded question because you were the guy that acquired him. But at the same time, do you <laughs> think also that at some point in time, as we've seen some of these other guys get in, that there is certainly a lot of cloud around them, that things will soften and Palmero will get in eventually?
3: I, was dry, I Every time I'm driving in my car, and I'm listening to people discuss that very topic, I say to myself, I don't have a good answer. I can, I can talk myself into thinking one way and then say to myself, well, that's not right. It should be the other way. I hear experts that study it day in and day out, um, analysts that study it day in and day out with differing opinions, 180 degrees in the opposite direction. It's such a hard thing hard thing to determine Um, there's I I think in the last in the last 10 years there's probably a player maybe a player or two that's gotten into the Hall of Fame that used steroids he was never mentioned he was never caught he never failed a drug test Um, and there's guys that didn't that probably are looked at as players that probably did it's just an ugly era with all the accusations and no way to prove anything so it's a very a very difficult thing for me to answer. Um, I'll say this about Raffi. Raffi never impressed me as a guy who used steroids generally you would expect a guy who used steroids i remember when jose canseco came in for the first time to texas and right before anyone even knew what steroids were you heard people talk about it the th- big thing someone said back then about steroids was yeah lyle alzado used steroids you know and people would go who the hell is lyle alzado and what difference does it make but anyway canseco i was sitting in the dugout with bobby valentine and canseco came up and we said hey let's watch this guy before we go back into the clubhouse and he hit this pop-up to look like it was going to be in back of second base sky high and the first reaction was holy cow how could a guy hit a ball that high and then you kept watching and the ball carries about 15 rows out of the ballpark in right field and you know we kind of said to each other not many guys have ever hit balls like that maybe there is something to these rumors but you didn't know for sure um guys guys had uh become much more involved in weight rooms. There were no weight rooms before. Nutrition was a part of the game. So early on, you didn't really know. But one thing that did seem apparent as time went on was that the guys that were doing it were bigger, stronger, faster, chiseled, could hit the ball farther than ever than they ever did before. But that wasn't the case with Raffy. Raffi really, as you looked at him in the clubhouse, he wasn't an, an enormous guy. He was a solidly built guy, but he wasn't a guy that looked like Canseco or Sosa or McGuire. these chiseled, um, athletes that, that looked like they, um, that they were manufactured almost. He didn't look like that. And the balls that he hit didn't go that far. I I would feel very confident in saying if you take every player that hit more than 400 home runs and then figured out the average distance of the home run that he hit, that Raffi would be near the bottom, if not the last guy, his home runs went two or three rows back. He had a, he had a perfect swing taught to him by his father he learned to elevate the ball. He's kind of like Roger Maris. He had the kind of swing that met the ball at the right point, hit the ball on the good part of the bat with the right trajectory, launch angle, if you will. And he hit the ball into right field in the lower part of the ballpark. He didn't hit balls in the upper deck. He didn't hit long opposite field home runs. So it never really occurred to me that this was a guy that used steroids. Um, he just looked like a guy that could hit. Guys hit 500 home runs before steroids, so it's not – out of the question that someone could do that. So to answer your question, I was surprised. um, he He never looked to me to be the kind of guy that would use steroids. I was surprised when all of that happened. But I wish I could give you a strong opinion one way or the other, but I waffle on that and find myself going in one direction. I think if I knew for a fact that a guy used steroids, I would lean Against, I would, I would lean against it. It just seems like some guys have slipped through the cracks that may have done it and went to the Hall of Fame, and who knows who did and who didn't. Um, I know I'm kind of rambling a little bit, but I think, I think when I hear analysts say, let's just take the era, the 10 or 15 years, and put the guys in the Hall, in the Hall of Fame who were at the top of their game, the top of the lists of statistics at that time, and say that they were the best during that era – they should go to the Hall of Fame. And then you, then you say, well, what about the guys that came up just a little bit short that uh, hit 450 home runs and didn't use steroids? How, why should they get penalized? Why should the group of guys go into the Hall of Fame that did? And then the guys that didn't, whose stats might have equaled or surpassed them if they did, don't get to go in. It, it's just a hot topic. And I think I'm going to uh just kind of shut up right now and <laughs> to because- i think it's great
1: no i think it's great craig could, what do you think we could do two hours tom with you but but we're short on time so here's the final question uh okay. tom grieve is with us uh former big leaguer general manager with the texas rangers and of course uh their broadcaster on uh, on television uh i'll end with this tom uh, the ceo of the marlins who have uh, who i cover here in south florida Derek jeter uh is in the hall of fame larry walker's in the hall of fame should we be bothered and should we be bothered by an individual that did not vote for Derek Jeter? Because that seems to have taken on a life of its own also uh, in the era that you played, Tom, you're very familiar with a lot of these guys who played at Jeter's level or even above it, who did not get a hundred percent also. But how is it possible that one lone wolf here did not vote for Derek Jeter? And should we be throwing our arms up over this? Are you throwing your arms up over this?
3: No, I'm not throwing my arms up. The guy's got the right to make his decision, but, you know, it just doesn't make much sense. guy played for 20 years, and anyone that knows anything about baseball knows that you could take 100 people and dig dirt for a week and a half and never come up with anything wrong about Derek Cheater. This guy is the epitome of what a baseball player should look like, what he should act like and the way a Hall of Famer should perform. So I don't know how one guy did it. My wife and I were talking about that last night at dinner, and I said the only thing I can think of is that the guy has some relationship to the Yankees or looked at the Yankees and said, you know what, Mariano Rivera went in last year unanimously. Derek Jeter deserves to go in, but I think Mariano Rivera is even a stronger candidate than Derek Jeter and I have to distinguish between the two. And the way I'm going to do it is I'll vote for Mar- – I voted for Mariano Rivera, and he went in unanimously. I'm going to withhold my vote for a year on Derek Jeter to distinguish between the two. That's the only thing I can come up with um, as to why the guy didn't do it. But I guess nowadays you have to be public with your vote, don't you?
1: Not on this or one, no. You- no, not on this no? one. Okay. No, no. Okay. you have you, so you, we'll- there's, a bl- there's a little box, Tom, that you, you click. A check, if you want it public, and if not, the guy, whoever the guy or woman, is under no obligation to release it. And uh, by the way, your your explanation is a lot plausible than mine. I mean, mine is just the guy sent in a blank ballot. You know, that that, that's the only thing that I can think of. I can't think of anything.
3: that, (laughs) That probably makes more sense. Uh, I didn't know I didn't know that, but I would guess that this guy is never going to come forward, or if he does, he's never going to go to New York again.
1: No, no, he would not be allowed. Uh, Tom, thank you so much for giving us uh, so much of your time today. We really appreciate it, and uh, we look forward to catching you on the television broadcast of the Texas Rangers. Uh, fantastic video you did, by the way, Parting Ways with uh, the old ballpark and all the memories that were there. We're looking forward to seeing you with some memories of the new one. Thanks again to you and my best to your family. Appreciate you coming up.
3: Okay, you're welcome, Craig and Joe. Thanks, thanks for having
1: me. Anytime. All right, Pleasure Tom Grieve with us, and we'll be back with more here on Fantasy Sports Today. Don't go away.
0: DailyRoto.com. Learn from the game's best DFS players. We don't just give you premier advice; we play every day. Fantasy Sports Today with Craig Mish and Joe Pizzapia.
1: Welcome back to Fantasy Sports Today. As we wrap up the first hour of the show, here's what you missed.
3: The way that the executive treated the female reporters after they clinched against the Yankees and, um, to win the American league pennant when he screamed at the, at the girls, how happy he was with profanity laced sentences to have Osuna on the team. One of the girls had a bracelet that, um, that indicated her support for domestic violence. And obviously Osuna had that thing happen in Toronto. Um, Case of domestic violence, where he was suspended. No one wanted to sign this guy. The Astros signed him, and that was their right. He served his penalty, and they had the right to sign him. But the way that he addressed these female reporters was just totally inappropriate. It, it was almost uh, it was almost violent the way he screamed at them. And then the way that the Astros the, the Astros hap, uh, handled the whole situation when they said. Um, it was an attempt to fabricate a story where one doesn't exist. They didn't believe her. They tr- heard. They trashed the female reporter, and you know. Then several days later, they look at it again and they realize what happened, and they they fired the guy. Well, you know, you you ought to get your facts straight before you accuse a respected member of the media of lying like that. It, it was just a. A terrible situation and and a real stain on the Astros and that starts right at the top, right with the owner that allowed that to happen.